So guys, how y'all doing this morning? Everybody good? Excellent. Did y'all see the blizzard of uh, 2013? This morning, all the snowflakes was amazing, wasn't it? You know, the thing about it is this. I am totally down with getting a little snow in December, praise God, aren't you? I've always wanted to do a little deer hunting in the snow. So give us some snow in December. January, absolutely. February, bring it on. March, I'm ready for the beach. Amen. I don't want to see snow now. I'm ready to put some short pants on, huh? Yeah. Short pants. Y'all like that. All right, guys, so today, look, I just want to be honest and transparent with you. Today, I'm going to be taking a huge risk. Uh, We say that one of our core values is that we will be a church that always makes bold moves, and we will be that. I will always lead you as a pastor who makes bold moves. Uh, You have my assurance in that. So today, I'm going to do something very risky and very bold. I'll be totally transparent with you and totally honest with you uh, this morning. Um, Today's message is not for you. It's for me. So I'm sorry, you know, the reality is this, you get 51 a year, I get one a year. This is the one I chose for myself. Um, but I want to just take a minute and I want to share with you what God is doing in Jason. Um, and I believe that uh, the Lord has led me uh, to share about this, to talk about this this morning, not just for me, but for you. Um, but I just want to, uh, I just want to be honest and, and, uh, and transparent with you. Is that okay? Okay, good. Um, so, um, have you ever uh, have you ever asked the question, "What is God's will for my life?" Have you ever asked that? Like, what does God want me to do? Like, I remember when I was in school, I, I would say, "You know, God, what is your will for me? Um, is is it for me um, to go to college? If so, what college? When I go to college, what am I to get a degree in? What is your will for me? What what is the career that I'm going to choose? You know, in life, there are a few, a handful of major decisions that we make, and then there are minor decisions that we make every day, right? Um, but all decisions have consequences, and so that uh, I have wanted to know for many years is, God's, what is your, God, what is your will for me? What is your will for my life? What is your plan for my life? You know, I remember when, uh, when, I, was, uh, when I was dating, and I knew that I wanted to get married, but the, uh, the right girl had not come along, and I wasn't ready to uh, give a young lady a shot at the title yet, and so... Um, I, uh, I, you know, I pray, God, what is your will? I, I want to get married. I, I want to find the right person. I want you to bring the right person for, you know, into my life. When is, when is your will going to be revealed? When is your plan going to be revealed, right? And then, you know, to have children. God, what is, when is your, what is your will? Are we to have kids and so forth? Have you ever asked that, God? What is your will? What is your plan for me? What is your purpose for me? Why am I here? What do you want me to do? Uh, have you ever done that? I, I believe that I'm not the only one here this morning. And so this morning, I, I want to just address that uh, a little bit. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1, and we're just going to read through like verse 3. It addresses uh, that very question. Look what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. It says, as for other matters, brothers and sisters... We instructed you how to live in order to please God. And as in fact you're living. So Paul says, look, we, we have taught you how to, leave in a, how to, how to, how to live in a way that, that makes God happy, that pleases God. We've taught you how to do that. And he continues on and he says, now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus 
to do this more and more and more and more and more. So if you look at the context there, it means we have told you what to do. You're doing a good job. Now continue in that. Continue in that process of living in a way that pleases God. All right? And then we look at verse 2. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. And here's where we're going to kind of zoom in. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. He continues on and he kind of spells this out through a variety of things. First of all, you should avoid sexual immorality. Also, you learn, uh, each of you should learn to control your body in a way that is holy and honorable. And as you continue on reading, it talks about the different ways that we are to be sanctified. Now, let's go back up to verse 3. I want us to look at that. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. So if I want to know God's will for me, it's very simple. God's will for Jason Stockton is that I be sanctified. Now, sanctified is a churchy kind of word. What exactly does that mean? To be sanctified. We don't walk around using that word. Like tomorrow when you go to your work and your boss says, hey, how are you doing? I mean, your response is not going to be, I tell you, I'm just trying to live a sanctified life, right? We don't talk like that. So what exactly does it mean to be sanctified? So just because I think simple, I'm going to give you a simple thought. To be sanctified means to be close and to be clean. Two words. It means to be close to God that's relationship. And it means to be clean before God. That's fellowship. It means to be close and to be clean. That's what it means. So if you, look, if you want to know this morning, what is God's will for you? If you are close and you are clean, then who you marry, where you work, where you go to college, what you get a degree in, whether or not to have kids... All of those issues, they work themselves out because God's will is that I be close and clean, that I be sanctified. Okay? So here's my admission this morning. I talked last week about the surrendered heart. I shared with you a principle, very simple, and that is that a surrendered heart produces spiritual fruit. Do you remember that? I even asked you to go home and do a little assessment that I gave you. So I'm just curious, how many of you guys took that little assessment that I gave you last week and actually did it? Awesome. Five of y'all. Good job, guys. Five out of about, you know, two or three hundred. Man, y'all are awesome. Well, I did it. And uh, I really, the thing about it is I, sometimes I, um, I, there are some messages I just really don't like to preach. That was one of them. Matter of fact, I put on Facebook last week that some, mess, I mean, that, that some messages are easier preached than lived. And I think that's true for all of us, right? I mean, you know, sometimes it's a lot easier for us to give advice than to receive advice, isn't it? And so last week was one of those times. That message was easier to preach than it was live. And so this past week, I had a, I would just say, a, a sweet time of just God breaking down Jason. And here's what the Lord told me this past week. Jason, everything in your life is surrendered to me. 
except for one little thing. One little thing. One little bitty thing. Let me tell you about my little thing. Started when I was four years old, almost five. I go to the Coosa Valley Fair. And right as soon as I'm to go into that livestock show they used to do, whatever thing, there's an old redneck boy outside, and he's got several pouches, packs of red man shoe in tobacco. So I'm, you know, about five years old, and he thinks, I'm going to spook this old boy, this little kid. So he, he asked me, he says, young man, would you like a couple of packs of chew and tobacco? And I said, sure. And so guess what? I tried it. And you know, most time a five-year-old, they try that stuff, they puke their guts out. I actually liked it. I enjoyed it. And you know what happened? From the time I was four or five till I was about 10 or 11, anytime I'd see somebody and believe me, in Rome, there is no shortage of people who use smokeless tobacco. But every time I'd see somebody with a little can in their pocket like that right there, I'd ask him if I could have a little pinch of it. Sure, he's 10. <laughs> he's eight. It's going to make him puke. But I liked it. Now, let me just stop right here, because I see some of you ladies, you're looking at your husbands. And this does not excuse you to, like, elbow him them and say, hey, look, you need to listen to what this guy says. All right? When I was 11 years old, I found a guy who could buy it for me, and he bought it for me. I remember when I was turned 16 that you could, uh, with a $20 bill on Friday, I could... Go to Hardy's and get a chicken biscuit and a tea. I could fill my gas tank up, that 1989 Dodge Daytona. I could eat lunch that day and I could buy a can of Skull. It's caused me a lot of problems. You know one problem it caused me? I was in the lunchroom my junior year of high school and me and Wesley, we're talking about what Coosa boys talk about. He told me that I was a poser. Kusa, you don't call somebody a poser. I said, I'm not a poser. He said, there's no way that you can swallow the spit from Copenhagen. I said, I bet I can. And you know what that led to? It's crazy. It led to a fight the next day out in the parking lot. Can you believe that? How crazy, ridiculous is that? So this past week, here's what God said, Jason. Every area of your life surrendered, but there's one that's not. And what happened to me is real simple. And I believe it's happened to you. Maybe not in this area, but in other areas. For 11 years, I stopped, quit, cold turkey. And a few years ago, my dad died, and I was grieving. And I was leaving the ministry that I was at, and I was uncertain. And I started it as a coping mechanism. And sometimes we have coping mechanisms like what we eat or what we drink or what we sniff or what we smoke or who, or who we have a relationship with or what we watch on the internet, right? That was my coping mechanism. So God said, Jason, 
you are to be fully surrendered. If you want to be close, as close as you possibly can be to me, where there is no distance between me and you whatsoever, and to be as clean as you can possibly be before me. That one little thing that started out, you know, once a week, once every few weeks, and has become a daily thing, you got to surrender it. So I'm just letting you know, Life Church, I'm surrendering it. I'm laying down my white flag. I surrender. Surrender. Let's talk about you. I've never seen a pastor do something like that. And this week, I said, God, I, look, I, if you're just asking me to surrender, that's easy. I, I mean, when you surrender, you don't have rights anymore. That's the way surrender works. And he said, nope, you're to do it publicly. And I said, God, but, I don't, but look, people are going to think bad of me, and they're going to think, how could he do that? And, they're, and he said, you're just to do it. You know why? Because I think somebody else here, there might be a little thing that you need to surrender, right? So let's just talk about some of those little things. And the crazy thing, folks, is this. When we have things that we hold on to and we don't surrender, it is real, real, real easy to justify them. Let me tell you how I justified it. Things like this. Well, you know, they can't really prove that it gives you cancer. And I even pulled a good spiritual card on this one. I'd be like, because the Bible says it is appointed unto man to die. So God knows when I'm going to die, whether it's cancer, a heart attack, or a car wreck, I'm going to die. So if I do this, is it really that big of a deal? Isn't it amazing how we justify those little things? And I would say stuff like this. Well, you know what? It's only affected me. I don't smoke. So I'm not affecting anybody else. Just me. Or, or things, you know, like, I mean, after all, I mean, this is Rome, Georgia. And I mean, everybody who graduated from Coosa back when you did, I mean, they're driving a truck now, and they're deer hunting, and they're dipping old snuff. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how we justify that little thing? Huh? I mean, we, we justified a variety of ways. When, when what we want most and what we need most is to be sanctified, to be clean before God and to be close to God. And for some of us, listen, it is like your move is next. Like you get the next move. God's waiting on you. Like, for instance, it's real easy to, uh, to justify eating too much. It's real easy to justify, you know, having a little snack late at night because it makes us feel real good, right? And we say things like, you know, I've had a hard day. I mean, look, I did this past week, and man, I praise Jesus for this time of year for little tagalongs and Samoas and Thin Mints. Those little Girl Scouts, I love them. Praise Jesus for them, the cookies. And it is amazing to justify eating to feel better. It's amazing how we justify spending money on a little retail therapy so we feel better. Sometimes money we don't have. It's money we have to go borrow from next month's paycheck, right? Look, it is, I talk to people all the time and they, it's easy for them to justify having an affair. And they'll say stupid things like this. Well, you know what? They just don't make me happy anymore. 
You know what? They just don't meet my needs anymore. You know what? I, I, I know God wants me to be happy. I, I know God wants me to have my needs met. I, I know God wants me to find the love of my life. And we're just not in love anymore. We've fallen out of love. And you know, the reality is this, man. It's just justifying something. You know, I mean, it's easy, you know, for some of you, I mean, to justify, like, lusting after women and looking at porn on the Internet and doing stuff like that, right? Because we say things like this. Well, you know what? I mean, I'm a man and I have a, a sex drive and my wife, I mean, she doesn't have the same sex drive I do and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Real, real, real easy to justify working too much and saying to your wife, honey, I love you so much and... I want you to know that, and all along your wife's saying this, yeah, I hear his words, but I feel a schedule. Hmm? And we justify by things like, well, I tell you what, I mean, I've got to provide for the family, and we've got bills coming in, and all this kind of stuff, all along. It's just a little thing. Maybe it's a vice. Like, maybe it's a little bit of, you know, a little alcohol, and that little bit becomes a lot, and, Right? Maybe for you, it's like something as simple as worry, huh? What about worry? And, and it's easy to justify worry, because we can say things about worry like, well, you know what? Worry is actually an act of love for somebody. Like when I worry about them, I'm just showing that I love them. No, you're not. Worry is just a form of control. You think if you worry that you can control the situation when the, contro when the situation is totally out of control. Hmm. So this morning, my church, real simple. I'm not quitting this. I've done that before. I'm surrendering this. You say, Jason, that's, that, that's just a matter of semantics. No, it's not. It's not. Because all that quitting means is that you're out in the battlefield and you say, I need a break, so you go back to the barracks and you quit. You know what surrender is? Here's what surrender is. Surrender is knowing that you're not going to win. And I know I'm not going to win. Like I know I can try to convince God, well, God, I mean, it's really not that bad. There's really not a sin thing. Yeah, it's really not good and it's gross and it makes your breath smell and it makes your teeth yellow. And yeah, I mean, I'm not going to win. Period. I'm not going to win. My argument is not going to win. And so, like, for you, whatever that little thing, your argument is just not going to win with God. So, many times what we say is, I'll quit doing this. God's not looking for quitting. God's looking for surrender. Because here's what surrender looks like. I'm not going to win. I lay down my rights and my privileges. On this matter. I lay down my rights. So for me, listen, with this, I don't have the right to do this anymore. Because I'm not my own. I don't belong to me. I don't have the right to. When I surrender. So what are you holding on to? What are you holding on to? What have you, what's that little bitty area? That, that little 
bitty decision. That little bitty vice. That little bitty aspect of your schedule. That little bitty compartment in your mind that goes backwards or runs too far forwards. What is the little thing? Because until we surrender the little things, we'll never be as close and clean before God as God created us. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Every head's bowed, eyes closed this morning. I wonder if you're here this morning and you've never surrendered your life to God through His Son, Jesus. If you've not done that, that's the first step. Is to give God your life. To realize that, that God loves you. He made you in His image. But there is a sin issue and it separates your relationship with Him. That it's only when you ask Jesus to come into your life to save you to forgive your sins that your sin can be cleansed. And so if you've not done that, this morning might be that time for you. Maybe it's time for you to surrender. So as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I just want to ask you very simply, would you like to surrender your life to God this morning? If so, will you slip your hand up right now? Will you slip your hand up right now? I want to surrender my life to God. Sweetie, I see your hand. Thank you. Leave it up for a moment. One of our first responders is going to come and talk with anyone else. I want to surrender my life to God this morning. I want to give him my life. Give him a heart. Anyone else? Give you one more opportunity today. I want to surrender my life. Now, as your heads are bowed and eyes closed, listen. I'm going to shut up. I'm going to stop talking. Josh is going to sing. I'm going to leave you with this thought. What are you holding on to this morning? Are you ready to surrender it today? Delayed obedience is disobedience 100% of the time. I held on. Some of you have held on. It's little, right? It's not a big thing. It's a little thing. Maybe today it's time to surrender. Right now, this stage right here is going to be just a place where you can come and pray. We're going to say it's kind of like the Old Testament altar that they would have, where they would bring their sacrifices that they would make on behalf of their sins, and they would bring it to an altar. And so this stage this morning is going to kind of function like our altar, okay? So you can sacrifice whatever the little thing is, surrendering it before God. Would you like to do that this morning? Let's stand to our feet. We're going to give you that opportunity right now.